Tonight we're going to wrap up this series looking at a passage found in the book of 1 Kings. Book of 1 Kings. If you have your Bibles, if you have your Bible app, you want to follow along tonight. 1 Kings chapter 2, we're going to read a few verses and then we're going to dive in to the meat of this story found in chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, we see some of the final words of King David. Who has ruled Israel now for 40 years. And check out what David says to his son in those waning days of his life. When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong. Show yourself a man. And observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in his ways. Keep his decrees and commands, his laws and requirements as written in the law of Moses, so that you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. And that the Lord may keep his promise to me, if your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. Now, fast forward with me over into chapter 3. David is now gone, and Solomon, son, is about to take over. And in verse 1 of chapter 3, we find out what he does to begin with. Solomon made an alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married his daughter, and he brought her to the city of David until he finished building his palace and the temple of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people, however, were still sacrificing in the high places because the temple had not yet been built for the name of the Lord. And Solomon showed his love for the Lord by walking according to the statutes of his father, David, except that he was offering sacrifices and burning incense on the high places. Now, let me just pause for a second. It's not a sin that Solomon is sacrificing and praising and worshiping God, but God wanted them to do that in a proper place. And because that proper place was not yet constructed, and because they weren't actually following the religious rules that God had given them, they were going up on top of mountaintops and worshiping. Not that in and of itself that was wrong, except God had given them specifics on how to worship. So Solomon is doing everything right, except worshiping in the wrong places. That's what that verse, that chapter, that section of the chapter is talking about. In verse 4, the king went to Gibeon to, other, to offer sacrifices for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. And at Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. I'm going to just pause, right? Because we're going to dive into the next few verses is the meat of this. But I want to just ask you this question. If God comes to you in a dream and says, yo, Tommy, Christian, Rachel, Brett, like, whatever you want, I'm your genie in a bottle, right? Like, just, you name it, I'll give it to you. Aubrey, I just, what are you thinking about, right? Like, what are you going to say? What are you going to say to God? Now, let me ask you in a different way. If you're a teenage king, by all accounts at this point, Solomon is somewhere between the ages of 15 and 19, maybe 20 years old. He's a teenage king who, by also all accounts, is in a very volatile situation. Because David has multiple kids, and all those kids want to be king. 
And all of those kids, or many of those kids, have proven that they're so cutthroat and ruthless, they were trying to turn on their own dad. Imagine if you're the teenage son now who is in charge of being the king. What You're watching your back 24-7, right? And God says, hey, buddy, I got you. Ask me for anything that you want, and I'll give it to you. Now, you got in your mind what you would ask him. What would you ask God for? Check out Solomon's response. Solomon answered, you have shown great kindness to your servant, my father, David. Because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, O Lord, my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father, David. But I am only a little child. Catch this. The juxtaposition of what Solomon views himself versus what David said in chapter 2. Be a man. David says, and Solomon's first response to God is, I'm just a child. The humility of that, right? That's that's powerful right there. I'm only a child, and I don't know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people. And to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, since you have asked for this and not for long life or wealth for yourself. Nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice. I will do what you've asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, catch this, moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. I love it. Then Solomon awoke. Would you pray with me for just a second that God would just allow these words to, to seep into our hearts. Lord, continue to speak and get me out of the way. Allow these words that were written so long ago, 900 BC. Lord, would you allow them to leap off these pages and into our hearts and our minds and challenge us. Challenge us. Teach us, O oh Lord, so that we can take the steps to be the people that you've called us to be. One more time, get me out of the way, hide me behind your cross, and speak to me as you continue to speak through me in this place tonight. Lord, we love you. Thanks for loving us. Amen. Transitions are tough. They're challenging. Can you imagine the volatility of the transitions of government and power in 970 B.C.? We're talking Game of Thrones stuff, right? Like this is hardcore, like cutthroat. If you're the king, somebody's trying to kill you. It doesn't matter how good you are, how nice you are, how benevolent you are, or how ruthless you are. Somebody wants your spot. So it's volatile. It's scary. It's cutthroat. In fact, between the time that David dies after his words to Solomon... 
And the time that we read today in Solomon's interaction with God in 1 Kings chapter 3, in between those are verses that Hollywood has tried to recreate in bloodbaths of medieval times and ancient ruins and ancient kingdoms. Like, it's crazy. Like, go back and read it, and you're going to see the craziness of this, right? Like, brother versus brother, brother trying to marry fathers, concubines, like, trying to be sneaky. I mean, during, in those verses between what we read in chapter 2 and chapter 3, Solomon has to get rid of a, a brother that's trying to kill him. He has to take care of and take out David, his dad's, like, leader of the army, chief of staff of the army. Because of what he's trying to do to overthrow the government. Like, it is ruthless. Is it any wonder then, when Solomon, this teenager, goes up to the, the mountains of Gibeon and begins to offer sacrifices to God, and God says to him, ask anything you want. Like, one of the first things that would have went through my mind is, God, just take out anybody who's gunning for me. That's what I would have said. Like, like put protection around me. Like, allow everybody who wants, to, wants me dead to be gone. Like, get rid of my enemies. Like, that would have been one of the first things. In fact, that's often what kings prayed for. That's often what kings wanted, right? Here's what Solomon says to God. God, this isn't mine. This, this empire is yours. This kingdom belongs to you. It's not my dad, and it's not my name, and it's not my kids' names that matter. You are God, and this kingdom is yours. And you have shown kindness to allow my father to be a king, and now to allow me to be a king, and someday, hopefully, my family to be kings. But I'm just a servant here. I'm just a servant. So here's what I want more than anything else. Give me wisdom, because I don't know what I'm doing. If you're taking notes tonight, I want you to write this down. A childlike faith has a receptive heart and isn't afraid to ask for help. I, I'm going to be honest. One of the things that in my lifetime that I've often struggled with the most is that oftentimes I'm too independent and try to get it done by myself. Right? I just, hey, if there's a job to be done, I'll do it. And part of that is because I want to make it happen. Part of it's because I want to be in control. Part of it's because I don't always trust people because I've been burned in the past and people have let me down. So sometimes if you want something done right, do it yourself, right? Like that's what we've been taught. And, and here's Solomon. He's seen his dad do great things. His dad is beloved, the greatest king in the history of Israel. And Solomon probably has, part of him, has this ego as a teenager. Teenagers have a tendency to think they know it all, right? We've all been there. We think we have it all figured out. We think we know it all. It would have been really easy for Solomon to go, you know, I watched Dad do it this way. I didn't like that. I'm going to do it my way. Or Dad did this. Dad did that. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. Like, it's my turn. It's my kingdom. It's mine, right? It would have been easy for Solomon as a teenager to say, this is Mind, but instead he says, I need help. There's this receptive heart that he says to God, just give me a discerning heart. Give me wisdom to decide between right and wrong because I 
don't know it all. If you're writing down notes tonight, I want you to write this down. The key to a pure heart is having a receptive heart to God. If, if, you have, if you've ever struggled with having a, the noble character that God wants for you, or to have a, a pure heart, to, to think about the things of God and do the right things, if you've ever wrestled with that, it's more than likely because you haven't put your heart in a spot to receive or be receptive for what God wants for your life. The times in my life when I've wrestled the most with a pure character and a pure heart are the times when I'm trying to tell God how I want things to be done. Rather than saying to God, show me what I need to do, I'm receptive to your will for my life. Solomon, at an early age, shows us childlike faith says to God, whatever you want from me, I receive it because I want to be a person of purity and character and I'm not afraid to ask for help. What does he say here? I just need some wisdom. I just need some wisdom. The Hebrew word there when he says I want a, a discerning heart is actually the word where we get hearing heart. I love that. Like when you read that in the Hebrew he says God give me a heart that hears you. In fact if you don't take anything away from this message other than that let it be this. Lord Give me a heart that hears you. Maybe one of the greatest prayers of childlike faith. Give me a heart that hears you. See, the lack of the ability for us to listen is often our biggest downfall. It's a listening heart that enables us to grow and be wise. And Solomon was asking God to bless him with that kind of wisdom because true wisdom is both the ability to discern what is best and the strength of character to act upon what you have received from God. Now, Solomon, if you read the rest of his life, doesn't always get that part right. He doesn't always get that right. In fact, it becomes his downfall. His, his inability to put what God says into action becomes one of his greatest downfalls. He has the ability to lead with wisdom his empire, but not his home. And we need to learn that lesson as well. That's for another day, right? But childlike faith says to God, you know what, God? I want a heart that hears you because I know that I haven't figured it all out. The book of James, brother of Jesus, you know, he often just says it, just shoots it right out there in front of you. James chapter 4, verse 3, he says, it tells us that we don't receive the things we ask for because we ask them with wrong motives. Let me ask you, when you pray, when you pray, what do you pray about or pray for the most? And are those things selfish or selfless? Or is there a third category, which I think Solomon is doing, are they self-improvement based? Lord, give me a heart that hears you so that I can become more like you, so that I can get to know you, so that I can do the things that you've called me to do. That's what Solomon is doing. And here's the thing. If you are praying and asking God to do things in your life and God is not answering you in the way that you want him to answer, maybe you should step back and take a second and say, Lord, am I asking with right motives? Because Solomon's, Solomon's motives are clear here. I want to be a good king because this is too big for me. And God says, now that's the kind of prayer I can answer. 
In James chapter 1, verse 5, James says to us, Listen, if any of us lack wisdom, he should ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault. It will be given to him. See, when we possess a pure heart, it pleases God. And then God is able to bless us when we are asking with that kind of receptive heart. Childlike faith has that kind of receptive heart and isn't afraid to ask for help. It's one of my favorite things with Ellie right now. Like, when Ellie can't do something, she now looks at me and says, help. We're working on it getting out like that. It's more like, Ep. right? Ep. Daddy, Ep. But I love that. It melts my heart. Why? Because Ellie looks at me and says, I can't do this, but Daddy can do anything. Which I want her to continue to believe, even though you all know that's not true. Right? That, I love that. And guess what? When Ellie asks me for help, what does Dad do? <laughs> Whatever she wants. Usually. Within reason. That's what God says. Like, I want you to be like children, childlike faith, that comes to me and says, help, Daddy. I need your help because we have a Heavenly Father who wants to help. And He can only bless when we have the kind of heart that says, I'm asking with right motives and a receptive heart because I want a pure heart. And God says, I'll honor that every day of the week. That's childlike faith. Faith. If you take notes, write this down. Number two, godly leaders know their role in God's kingdom, and that is simply servant. I think one of the most powerful things and lessons that we can learn from this teenage king Solomon is simply this. He knew it all belonged to him. It's all his. It's all yours. Like catch. Verses like 6, 7, 8, and 9. How many times he says, your servant. Did you catch that when we read it? Like, go back and highlight it. Your servant. Your servant. Your servant. Your servant. What's Solomon doing? It ain't mine. You're the king. You're God. I'm just here for a short while. You gave my daddy 40 years to be king. If I'm lucky, I get 40 years to be king. Like, that's it. This nation, you said, will go on beyond me. This kingdom will outlast me. So therefore, it is not about me. I want us to all understand, no matter what role it is that God asks us to play in the kingdom, whatever role that is, the title is servant. The title is servant. Stacy and I, we talked about this a couple weeks ago before service. Like, is it about title and position or is it about influence? Because servants just say, I want to make an impact. I want to have some sort of influence. Whatever God wants me to do, it's not about the title or the position. It's about just being faithful. It's God's kingdom. Solomon knows it. And he's only in that position because God placed him there. And if God wants him gone, guess what? He gone. If God doesn't, like, and, and catch the if-then statements. David says it in 1 Kings 2. Solomon, God reiterates it to him in 1 Kings 3. If you do the right things, then your kingdom will be established. You'll live to be long. You'll have a long rule. But there's a big if. Those two letters, big meaning. 
Solomon started off his kingdom so well by simply saying, it ain't mine. I'm just a servant. You see, our responsibility as God's servants needs to far outweigh any position or authority given to us. Solomon catches that huge. He, he chose what would be best for his people rather than selfishly asking for what would be, make his life easier. Solomon, what do you want? And his answer was, I want to be the best for your people. Not I want to be great. Not I want to be rich. Not I want to be safe or powerful or in control or bigger than my daddy. None of those things. He never asked God for anything selfish in this. He simply said what? I want the ability to be better for your people. Because they're yours. And that's too great, he says, of a responsibility for me. Let me ask you this. When was the last time that your prayer to God was simply this? God, whatever you want me to do, enable me to do that for your good and your glory. Whatever you call me to, wherever you lead me, whatever you ask of me, not only am I available, but I need you to give me a supernatural ability to do what you've called me to do because this is too big for me and it's not mine anyway. I'm just a servant. You see, that's childlike faith. It's not immaturity. It's not childish. It is humble, servant-type leadership. And you say, I feel like I've heard that somewhere. I feel like I've read that somewhere. Yeah, you have. Matthew chapter 10, verse 43. The disciples are arguing over who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus says what to them? If you want to be great, you must be a servant. Childlike faith. Childlike faith. If you want to be great, you must be a servant. You want to know what that tells God? It tells God, I am willing and able to do whatever you ask me to do if you give me the strength to do it. You say, why is that such a big deal? This is why. Take notes. Number three, we should not ask God to do for us what he wants to do through us. This is something, like some of this other stuff I've, I've read before in this story, in this chapter, this was something new to me that God shared with me this week. Solomon could have asked God to do something for him. Right? God, make this easy for me. God, wipe out my enemies. God, make me powerful. God, make me great. Do something for me. But he knew that God has asked something of him. So he just needed the ability to do that well. He just needed the ability to do that well. I want you to hear me tonight, whether you're watching, you're listening to the podcast later, or here. Like I want you to hear me. There are things that God is asking of you. Be careful not to ask God to do it for you. There are times when God says to us, I have a plan for you. Now, how can I help you? And our natural response is, well, do it for me. No. No, I will not do that for you. I'm going to use Ellie as an, as an illustration here again. She's now getting to that point where she's like, Daddy, help me. And I have a responsibility as a dad to help her with things she cannot do on her own. But I am doing her a disservice if I do for her 
the things that she can and needs to learn to do on her own. So there are times when I say to her, hey, you can do this by yourself, but I'll show you how. I'll teach you how. I'll give you the ability to do it. But you got to do it on your own. This is, I think, one of the hallmarks of childlike faith. Childlike faith is not afraid to ask God for help, but is wise enough to say to God, I will ask you for the help that I need to do what you've asked me to do. I'm not going to put you in a position where I ask you to do it for me. I want you to enable me to do it for you. Guys, this is huge. This is next level faith that we don't always talk about. This is big level leadership kind of stuff. And if we want to be the kind of people that honors God, part of what we say to him in childlike faith is not only will I ask him for help, but I'm going to ask him for the right kind of help. Enable me to do what you've called me to do in a way that allows me to accomplish the most good for your kingdom and your glory. And then we say, when you've given me the help that I need, I'm going to go make it happen. This is, this is powerful. This is big stuff. And I think some of us are probably living somewhere in the tension between asking God for the, the help that we need versus asking God for just the help that we want. What God says is, there's some things that I'm calling you to. There's some big things that I have in store for you. There's some amazing things that I think you can do. And I'm here to help you, but I don't want to do it for you. But I'll give you what you need so you can do it. I'll help you do it. I'll be there with you while you do it. So what's the tweet? What's the post? What do we take away this week? It's simply this. Childlike faith. Childlike faith. Regularly seeks God's direction to make wise decisions and to develop the strength of character to live obediently. In fact, I would, I would argue that if we would pray these kinds of prayers on a regular basis, God give me the wisdom to know what to do and the ability to be obedient enough to do it. I think what God would do in you and through you is way bigger than you think ever would be possible. You don't believe me? There's a boy that we don't know his name that gave five loaves and two fish and God fed thousands. There's a, a boy that was given over to God after his mother begged for a child. And Samuel said, he's yours. I'll give him back to you, God. There's a, a daughter who wanted to protect her little brother. And made sure that she put herself in a position to be used by God. And there's a teenage king. These four examples of godly young people with childlike faith that teach us what it means to be used by God in extraordinary ways. And he has that same power available to us if we would just take hold of it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are and for... Your word and the way that it speaks, the way that you resonate with us. I think somebody, whether either live here in this room or watching online or listening to the podcast later this week, there's somebody who needed to hear this. 
Because maybe they've been asking you for help. Or maybe they've been too stubborn. They're trying to do it on their own. And they need to first humble themselves with a receptive heart and, and ask you for help. But maybe there are others who've been asking for help. But they've been asking for you to do things for them. Rather than for you to do things in them that enable them to be obedient. Give us childlike faith. That recognizes that our role in the kingdom is simple. It's servant. Servant. That you place us in times and positions and opportunities and situations for such a time as this. So that we can do good for the kingdom. And then there are times you move us to other things and other places so that we can accomplish more. There are times that you call other people to step up to the plate to fill in the gaps. Lord, that's the beauty of this kingdom. We are, are, are all parts of the body. We are not the head. So Lord, I pray that you just continue to do within us the kind of work necessary to to give us the childlike faith necessary to be the humble servants that are obedient to you, that seek you for wisdom, but then put that wisdom into action and live out our faith in a way that makes a difference for the kingdom. And I pray, Lord, now that you do that in our church. I pray that you do that in the lives of people that make up public house. I pray that you continue to do that in me and through me as we seek to continue to take steps childlike faith to be the people that you've called us to be. Lord, we love you. Thanks for loving us.